Hi, y'all. I'm Evie. And I'm Bernie. And you're listening to Woke Woke Docs, a podcast about the lives of women of color in medicine and health justice. For our first episode of our summer series, we're talking with Dr. Rupa Maria, Associate Professor of Medicine at UCSF, singer, songwriter, and just overall badass. In today's episode, we ask Rupa why police violence is a public health issue and learn more about the Justice Study, a study that researches health outcomes in communities where there is police violence and no justice. We hope that this episode can serve as a call to action for all people to fight for the communities that continue to experience trauma related to law enforcement violence. So stay woke, y'all. We hope you enjoy today's convo. Hello, ladies. So great to be with you all. Hey, what's up, (laughs) y'all? We're here with uh, Rupa Maria, Dr. Rupa Maria, who is an internal medicine doc here at UCSF. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about police violence and the work that she has done uh, as an activist, as a musician, um, as a physician. And we're just going to learn a little bit more about why police violence is a health issue. But before we get into all of that, we want to start off with a check-in question because you know we love our check-ins. Yeah, I love our check-ins. Um, and so <laughs> our check-in question today is, what is one way that you are growing this summer? And I'm going to ask Rupa first. Well, um, I am growing upward, which is um, the title track of my new album <laughs> that hey. came out, which is um, a song I wrote based on um, the idea of a dandelion seed germinating under asphalt um if we could hear what that dandelion would say um we've lost our way in terms of um learning how to listen to non-human voices um and really you know centralizing human supremacy and i believe that's why we're in the situation of climate collapse that we're in Mm -hmm. today um and so for me how i'm growing upward is really stretching my ears to listen to those um things that are not audible uh, readily or to see the things that are marginalized or invisibilized. Um, so that is how I'm growing right now. I love that. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Growing upward. I, how am I growing? My phrase is healers need healing. Mm. Um, yes. So, I mean, I identify as a healer, but recently the past three months I've been really going through such a deep reflection on a lot of the intergenerational trauma and uh, negative self-talk that I've been avoiding myself from confronting for years. Mm -hmm. And so it's a journey. It's hard, sometimes painful, but I feel great. You look I good. feel so, you look good. Yes, you look like glowing. you're doing a good She's job. Glowing I'm right glowing. Now. I don't have a voice, y'all, because I was turning up last week with my Dalai Lama fellows. Um, it was great. So, yes. So. Healers need healing, too. Yes. A bunch of world leaders all together turning up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was great. That's classic Bernie for you. Um, <laughs> let's see. How am I growing? I am recently trying to change just the way I eat and just being more conscientious of the way that the meat and dairy industries impact communities. Because, um, you know, I've heard a lot of it in terms of, like, protecting animals, which, of course, is, like, is also important. But having watched some documentaries recently and just thinking about the environmental racism that is associated with those industries, it just made me think about why I eat so much meat and dairy and just try to think about like, 
what is that doing to those communities? What is that doing for my own personal health? Like, is this benefiting me? And so I'm changing my diet and I feel like it's been really good and I feel really like I'm doing this kind of cleansing in a way. Good and for it's you. really hard for me to turn away good free food. And I've <laughs> turned away good free food like at least three times this week. Pizza. And I turned away pizza. I turned away some like delicious homemade Syrian food. I have, yes, it is. My friend made lasagna and everyone was raving. But I said no every time. Um, so it's been a way of just learning how to practice some self-restraint, but then also just, yeah, some some cleansing, which I really like. And I'm I'm proud of myself. Good for way. you. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, we're so grateful again, Rupa, to have you here. Um, a beautiful thing that I always remember is that this conversation, like there will be no other place or time when this conversation happens. And so that's meant for the universe, for us to all be in this room mm -hmm. discussing this very important issue, mm -hmm. which is that police violence, law enforcement violence is a public health issue. And it is a very pressing, continually, um, continually pressing issue for our communities. Right. Um, and so as our first question, why is it such a huge issue? And um, why is it so brave of us to even call it and name it like that? Yeah, I think that, um, well, when you look at the roots of policing in this country, um, so policing really started in in Britain um, and was imported to this country at a time where they were trying to keep the indigenous population under control and trying to return runaway slaves back to their slave owners. So the the job of policing as at its start here in this country was to control black and brown bodies. Um, and for the purpose of a land grab, um, which was what was happening at that time, um, and also controlling the means of production, um, which was the, the bodies of the slaves and the labor that they produced, um, which was the foundation of this country and the economy. And so when you look at that history, it, it really is, is helpful to keep that in mind that, um, that systems of policing um, have always been part of a um, racist structure. And, and as you see today with the disparate killings of black, black, brown, and indigenous people, that mindset continues today. Um, no matter how much we name it or expose it or how many video camera angles you get of these events, they just continue. It's not like they've decreased in number or severity. Um, and so to me, when you have an institute, uh, like a, um, a body of the state that is upholding white supremacy in such a violent manner that's supposed to be there, you know, quote unquote, to serve and protect us, it really erodes the civic structure in a way that community violence doesn't. You know, if someone breaks into your home, you can call 911 for help. Hopefully, help might come. Um, but it, when the police are assaulting you, who are you supposed to call? Um, and when you don't have then justice for those killings or the um, violence, then there's a further traumatizing of um, disproportionately people of color so that they don't feel safe within the state structure. Um, so there's a just a, a low-level constant um, stress and anxiety around safety and trauma. Mm. Um, and so that is why, you know, it, it is a, a problem today um, and it needs to be addressed 
directly as a health problem. And when I think of health problems, I think of where do we see dead bodies? Like that's our jurisdiction is as physicians is where are there dead bodies and how did those bodies die and how can we prevent those deaths? It's as simple as that. Um, and so it's funny when people try to solely frame this as a political issue, um, and often issues around race in medicine in general get framed as political issues. And I just say, well, let's just look at the bodies. Let's just look at a body count because that's what we're looking at. We're looking at dead bodies. Um, and so I'd like to just keep it in the realm of, you know, the discussion around health, not just the health of the killing, um, but then the ripple effect of the health of the people who are left behind. Um, that's um, how it has kind of a widespread impact on human health wow beautifully said so beautiful um, so powerful yeah especially just talking about where are we seeing these bodies that have been brutalized or beaten or killed mm-hmm. it's in the hospital right. we're mm-hmm. the ones taking care of them mm-hmm. and if we're going to go through an epidemiologic thing of like oh what's leading to this mm-hmm. then then we need to address police violence law enforcement violence head yeah, on for sure Yeah. And and what we also know is that it's not just, you know, the people who have experienced the violence who that end up hospitalized, but it's, you know, the mother of Mm. Mario Woods, who was shot by SFPD. Um, He had a butter knife in his hand. Um, So her long term health issues. Um, losing her son and seeing it, you know, spread on the Internet um, where she said to me, you know, I can just Google that and see my son die any day. Like that's like, I can just see it. Um, that's traumatic in a way that is, um, so deeply impactful on, um, her health and then the health of the whole community. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's the trauma that comes not just from the insult, um, which is horrific, but then as families or communities try to strive for accountability mm-hmm. or strive for transparency, we've seen here in San Francisco, not one police officer has been charged mm-hmm. with murder sure. um, out of over a hundred people who've been killed in mm-hmm. the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them black and brown, mm-hmm. um, almost all of them poor, um, the ones who aren't black and brown. Um, so I, I think that, um, there's, you know, the initial trauma, but then there's layers of trauma where um, trying to get justice and being told, no, sorry, no one's no one's going to be punished. They act completely reasonably, you know, killing Alex Nieto on Bernal Hill with 59 bullets um, for eating a burrito. That was completely reasonable. Um, so that those are the kinds of things that really expose um how the systems of white supremacy are actually antithetical to any hope of health for Mm -hmm. people of color. Mm -hmm. And in order to achieve the possibility of health for people of color, we must get involved in dismantling systems of white supremacy, Mm -hmm. which means to create a more equitable society all around. Um, And it's a great place to start within our own work here in healthcare. Wow. Rupa for y'all, man. This is powerful work. Oof. Tell us more about the justice study. Well, the justice study came about after in 2016. I was on my way to work here, and um, I play music as well as work in the hospital. And my music really belongs in the streets. A lot of the times I play in the streets of the mission. Um, and I knew 
um, Luis Congora Pat, who was killed by SFPD. Um, he was uh, homeless. He was um, of Mayan descent. And he used to watch my car if my guitar amp was in the back. And I was like running errands in the mission mm-hmm. um, when I was a resident. Mm-hmm. So he would like, he's like, don't worry, I got your, I got, I'll watch it, you know? Yeah. And so I would buy him some food and then he would help me with my car. And so he was just a member of our community. Mm-hmm. And so when he was shot and killed um, by San Francisco Police Department, I think he was sitting up against a building when they came and, and killed him. Um, Five people went on hunger strike and to demand the resigning of the chief, um, Chief Sir. And so on my way to work one day, I saw these five people and I thought, okay, if they're there in three days, I'm going to go by and just say hello and introduce myself. And um, this was at a time where I was starting to notice that, you know, I had been functionally evicted from San Francisco. My apartment's rent was increased by $1,500 in one month. And I was watching the Mission neighborhood where my band started Mm -hmm. go from being, you know, very largely Latino to like so many people being pushed out. And as these areas became desirable for mostly Asian and white people to live in, I started to notice more brown and black people getting killed by police. Um, And so um, this just started becoming something I was curious and very um, um, saddened by in my own community with people I care about. Um, And so then three days later, they were still sitting there. i ended up introducing myself and I said I'm a doctor at UCSF I'm also an artist here in the mission and if you would like me to accompany you on this hunger strike I can I can take care of you and make sure you're okay Um, and one of them was someone who had played in uh, this Power to the Peaceful concert in Golden Gate Park with me Mm. I was like oh I know her she's cool like that's cool (laughs) so um, it was interesting because the music gave me an access to them Um, that really follows this belief I have in medicine that um, the more we are friends with the communities we serve, like the more we chill and hang out and have a beer and make music and share stories with the people that we serve, Mm -hmm. the better we will serve Mm -hmm. because they'll trust you. Not just as, you know, their doctor in a white coat, but as their friend and a trusted member of their community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I accompanied them on this hunger strike and it was very powerful. Um, and it really awakened in me a sense, actually I had a very feeling of dread because I knew my life was going to change. I'm like, what am I doing? This is just crazy. I love it. You just felt it. I felt it like, wow. oh God, like what am I'm opening up a whole door. I, am I prepared for mm. this? And literally I, I was opening up a whole door because my life has just completely, um, been overwhelmed by this work um so after the hunger strike um they were on strike for 17 days i admitted them here to the hospital um for refeeding um the chief resigned after a a young black woman was killed who was four months pregnant um and i met with the community and asked how can we continue to serve in this in this plight you have for your justice and sovereignty of your bodies and your health of your community and the justice for mario woods coalition uh, minister muhammad at that time he said to me can you design a study i am not a researcher he said can you design a study that 
answers the question, if a police killing is a wound and medicine is the justice, and the justice is the medicine, what happens to our community health when the medicine is withheld from us? And so it took me about a year to find the um, right people to help me, researchers, and then another year to you know develop the research tools and get the IRB approved. And then we launched this survey and um, now we're analyzing the data and it's powerful. It's both quantitative data, looking at trauma scales, looking at um, self-reported health, and it's also qualitative data where people talk about what does justice mean and was justice served and what does it mean to not have justice? And so it's just really deep, um, beautiful and powerful work um, that we hope to uplift those voices in the medical literature and in the mainstream literature about um, how this is impacting people and why it needs to change. I'm curious to know, Rupa, who are other people that are doing this kind of work? Like, Who are people that we should be looking out for, supporting? Um, obviously, you're doing great work with the Justice Study, but just like, for our listeners, like, who are the names and organizations that we should be behind to make sure that this work is can be accomplished effectively? Uh, there's so many. Um, so Colin Kaepernick has an amazing group of, um, it's like a, a Know Your Rights camp um, to help spread the word about um, combating police violence basically mm-hmm. um and policy link here in the bay area with um um so many um anand subramanian uh wrote uh, a whole analysis of the san francisco police department um and their poor practices he's a lawyer um so he, they, he's another one and that organization has an equity summit every three years um i spoke at it last year in chicago with Kat Brooks from APTP, who you all should know about. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an amazing activist and organizer. Um, she's doing great work. Um, Nancy Krieger um, out of uh, Harvard is an amazing public health researcher who's been researching very extensively on police violence and health. Um, so those are some people that come immediately to mind. And then all the families. So the justice um, for um, Amor, for Alex Nieto, um, they've been doing amazing work on making sure that the narrative of his life is maintained and that he's not portrayed as some sort of a gangster, but that he's really you know, portrayed as the Buddhist that he was and the you know, young man who was working to become a parole officer and... Um, so that the you know that his memory is really preserved um, in the right way. Uh, so I think all these families, the San Francisco Alliance, is also doing great work locally to um, push uh, the city to be more accountable um, and to kind of rein in the SFPD. Mm-hmm. I really love just like everything that you're saying and embodying because it really is central to our belief that we. You, you are a co-conspirator, we are co-conspirators with the community. And I think that just like really shows in the depth and the, just how long you've been so committed to this work, which mm-hmm. is so admirable. Um, what are the top, I guess, three takeaways that our listeners and everyone listening to this will be looking forward to as results of the justice study? Well, um, I think we'll be, 
we'll be going through a process in mid-July where we take our data back to the community and yeah, we share it. Actually, we're actually working with musicians to open this yeah. um, report back and to close so that we're going to be presenting some heavy things. Mm. Um, I know Oscar Grant's family will be present. There'll be a lot of family members present. Um, and what has been so exciting about this research is that the community members basically tore apart our research tools after we mm. developed them and said, no, you can't ask this. And like, people will never answer this. And mm. no, this is irrelevant. And how they saw the research tools became mm. very interesting. Um, and how research can actually re um, traumatize people mm. and recreate structures of violence that were mm. set up through white supremacy. Mm. So how do we actually operate in this institution of medicine mm -hmm. that was not created for people who look like me right. um, and morph it because I don't, I, I want to mm. work within this institution. Mm -hmm. I believe in the principles of medicine mm -hmm. um, and I believe it can be better. I can believe it can be more, a more liberated space. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so we're going to be awesome. giving the data back, having their insights on how we should deepen our analysis, having their guidance on how we should get the data out. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we've considered was doing a long walk from San Francisco to Sacramento carrying cardboard coffins that we yeah. make with family members to deliver the data to the governor. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that we're thinking about doing mm -hmm. maybe in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, with the do no harm coalition mm -hmm. so those are all things i think i said more than three but oh my gosh yeah. i just i lost also love seeing the artist and you like unapologetically blend itself with this love and commitment to justice and medicine yeah, I think that, you know, I have yeah. a granny uh, in my son's life, a, a beautiful um, Ojibwe elder has kind of taken my family in and she is a nurse and a native woman who actually is helping to ground people who give testimony around the missing and murdered indigenous women up mm -hmm. in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so she does a lot of very powerful healing work for her community. And she always talks to me about the importance, she's also an artist and an RN mm -hmm. and, a, and a medicine person. Mm -hmm. And she says to me, I remember she told me that she's like, Rupa, you can't take people into their darkness mm -hmm. without offering them some light. You just can't do that. And the way that Western medicine practices, we often go right into the darkness mm -hmm. and we offer very little light. Mm -hmm. you know, science is great intellectually, but that's not going to give you necessarily hope as you're facing some of these major existential um, heavy things mm -hmm. whether it's existential in your own life mm -hmm. do you have a life-limiting illness mm -hmm. or whether it's existential through intergenerational trauma mm -hmm. um, these are things that need um, solace in a way that I, th I believe that art can help mm -hmm. so it's part of the part of the healing Oh, I'm all about art as a way of healing. I completely support that. Oh, for that. real? For real, Evie, really? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Stop joking, Bernie. <laughs> she knows me, and I, yes. Yes. I think just ways of incorporating that is really beautiful, and I think it's really cool to see how that has influenced just, one, how you were able to even get into the community mm -hmm. through it, like using that as a bridge, um, building that trust, and then sort of seeing how that can just continue to expand and grow into something even greater, so. Yeah, I would love to, as I grow into my older years, um, really 
develop more of that practice of um, really deeply integrating art and and medicine um, mm. because it feels like a and I don't I, I mean it in a mm, Sometimes I mean it in the deepest way I can. Um, mm. Like the joy, like when I saw you dancing, just <laughs> it made me feel so much joy. Mm. And I think I said that to you, like that that life affirming joy mm. is so healing. Mm. Um, and then there's other ways of moving art that just lifts our spirit. Um, and so it just makes me excited to find ways to to weave these things. And I think most, you know, most cultures traditionally, most traditional cultures have ways where their healers are, are artists. We, they wouldn't yeah. call themselves artists, yeah. but that's what they're doing mm-hmm. is they're practicing symbolist, like symbolic movement and um, ritual. And so I would love to see more of that in our lives as healers. Do you have any last words of wisdom or advice for medical students, for health, any health professional, really, for anyone in the community, um, on what they can do to help, you know, tackle this issue of police violence. Just from yes, you know. speak up, show up in your white coat, mm-hmm. and get in city officials' faces. Um, stand up with community when someone has been shot by the police. Make some noise. Um, use your white coat privilege. Uh, people will look to you as um, an important voice in what is what is healthy um, mm-hmm. for our communities. And so, especially if you have any any kind of privilege you have, whatever race privilege, whatever kind of privilege, mm-hmm. get out there and use it to stop these killings. And I really also think the more health workers can advance an agenda of community safety through health, as a health focus, not as a militaristic punishing focus, mm. um, but demilitarizing our communities and, and focusing on health, mm-hmm. um, I think would help lower some of the violence that we're seeing um, and also put, you know, put put the just offer better solutions mm-hmm. than just, you know, someone showing up with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um so I would love to see more doctors, medical students, health workers, nurses, um, people getting involved in this issue because we need everyone's help to shift, make a cultural shift. And we can do it together. We only need 3.5% of our profession mm. to motivate. Mm. There was a study that was shown that says you don't need to convince everybody mm. that most major changes in society are made through extremely motivated 3.5%. Mm. So I would wow. like to see 3.5% of the medical community extremely motivated to end police violence. Mm. Yes. I feel that that's possible. It's we can so do po- that. That's wow. possible. We can do that. We just got to rally them up. 3.5%, yeah. y'all. That's we got that. Yeah. Let's make some changes. Let, yes. Let's do it. Thank wow. you so much, Rupa, for being Thank here you. and for speaking with us. It was a pleasure to learn from you. Yes. Thank you. We are so grateful to be in this fight with you. Yes. 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 Super excited. Yeah. And we'll share a link to the justice study in the description. Great. Make sure people read it and, uh, and get the word out. Check out Rupa's uh, music, too. She's, as she said, Res. she is a physician, mm-hmm. but also an artist, singer, musician, tours with a band internationally if you want to plug your oh the band band. rupa and the april fishes yeah come check us out we're headed to germany in two weeks and then we'll be back so thank you so much rupa thank you thank you you rock